Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.13 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 11th of June, 2021, and this is episode 436 of Bitcoin. And you may all go to hell. Texas will go to Bitcoin. We shall get that get to that here in a minute or two. But first, let's, well, shit, let's just do the news, man. The conundrum of Bitcoin legal tender laws. Gotta get into a little bit of the pushback on El Salvador for the requirement of Bitcoin to be accepted. Although I don't really think that that's what the language actually meant. But hey, it's it's up to interpretation. All right, so level thirty nine is writing this as a guest post for Bitcoin Magazine. Naib or sorry, Naib Bukele, El Salvador's laser-eyed president, shocked the world at the Bitcoin 2021 conference in Miami when he announced that Bitcoin would become legal tender in his country. A few days later, the Bitcoin law was passed, ushering in a new era for the virtual currency. There is something about the law mandating that vendors accept Bitcoin that goes against the voluntary opt-in ethos of Bitcoin. However, There are key features of the law that many people may have overlooked that protect vendors from the risk of holding the volatile asset while maintaining the benefits of using Bitcoin in transactions. First, the law confirms that vendors are indeed mandated to accept Bitcoin as legal tender. However, for accounting purposes, dollars will still be the reference currency, meaning prices will still be expressed in dollars but may be expressed in Bitcoin. Secondly, steps have been taken to avoid forcing vendors to hold Bitcoin. Article 8. Without prejudice to the actors of the private sector, the state shall provide alternatives that allow the user to carry out transactions in Bitcoin and have automatic and instant convertibility from Bitcoin to USD if they wish. Furthermore, the state will promote the necessary training and mechanisms so that the population can access Bitcoin transactions. Article 9. The limitations and operations of the alternatives of automatic and instantaneous conversion from Bitcoin to USD provided by the state will be specified in the regulations issued for this purpose. And Article 14. Before the entry into force of this law, the state will guarantee through the creation of a trust at the Banco de Desarrollo de El Salvador, the automatic and instantaneous convertibility of Bitcoin to USD necessary for the alternatives provided by the state mentioned in Article 8. All right, so those are the articles that that ramified this kind of stuff. In an impromptu interview with Bukele, it was revealed that the citizens of El Salvador will have open access to an official government wallet designed by Strike 
that will allow receivers to instantly and automatically convert incoming Bitcoin into dollars if they don't want to take on the risk of holding an asset as volatile as Bitcoin. This is what Strike does best, turning Bitcoin into a payments rail that users don't even have to think about. The El Salvadoran government is setting up an, a $150 million <clears throat> trust fund with the Banco de Del Sorollo de El Salvador, and anyone who converts their Bitcoin $2 with the official wallet is essentially selling their Bitcoin to the trust fund. When the trust fund has more than $150 million of Bitcoin, it will rebalance to use the proceeds to fund technology investments in El Salvador. The worst possible outcome is that the $150 million only spurs tourism and investment in the impoverished country. The best possible outcome is limitless upside potential. Users will not be forced to use the government wallet either. They can use a private custodial or non-custodial Lightning wallet if they want, and any private wallet service made by Strike or any other neobank could offer the same conversion service. <clears throat> Thus, this isn't a full legal tender mandate in the traditional sense. Users aren't forced to take on the risk of holding Bitcoin nor provide change in Bitcoin and are free to receive dollars if someone sends them Bitcoins. Vendors only have to have a Lightning QR code and they can instantly and automatically receive dollars when somebody gives them Bitcoin. One can envision a world where this kind of adoption model spreads to other countries using Bitcoin as an open payment rail that spurs regional investment while third parties take on the risk. Your average saver may not like volatility, but guess who does? Professional money managers. If banks want to stay relevant, they will eventually figure out that the risk here, uh, or sorry, that, that there is money to be made by becoming the third party that will take on and manage that risk of holding Bitcoin from Lightning payments as a value added service. Is forcing Bitcoin as legal tender still a form of government coercion? Of course, yes, it is. Users are mandated to, at least during the transaction, accept an open payment rail as a payment option. However, Bukele's implementation is less forceful or a less forceful way to mandate it. Private wallets are open to compete with the government's implementation and nobody is forced to hold Bitcoin. The ethos of Bitcoin is not <clears throat> is to not mandate its users its use and to allow the free market to decide its ideal use case. If private banks or services made wallets that utilize Bitcoin's open payment rails to reduce friction and users had free choice to use those wallets, those wallets would be adopted organically without anybody needing to mandate their use. However, any law that eliminates capital gains taxes for Bitcoin users is a huge win. Okay, so there's a couple of things also to be said about it that I don't think was that was not said in this particular article, and that is, you don't actually if if you are in like an El Salvadoran resident and you've got a business, and somebody walks into your shop and they say, "I want that hat," and 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 you say, "Okay, I will sell you that hat for you know fifteen U.S. dollars," and they say, "Well, I want to pay in Bitcoin," and the shop vendor says, "I don't have." any way to accept your Bitcoin. I don't know how to use a wallet. I don't have a computer. I don't have a mobile phone. I run my shop the way that I've always run my shop for the last 15 years. You hand me US dollars in cash. I will give you whatever it is that you want for those US dollars, as long as the cost is, is proportionate. <clears throat> you can still, the way that I read the law, they can still do that. It's, 
the, the law has mandated that the government themselves will provide technology and education to those people who need to be able to learn how to use this stuff. And no, they can, so like, they can't like, I don't have enough money to go buy a phone to have a strike wallet. Okay. We'll give you one. That's what it looks like to me. So I, I'm not even sure that this quote unquote mandate is even as harsh as this article makes it out to be. And this article basically pulls a lot of the teeth out of mandating Bitcoin be used by everybody in El Salvador. I think what they're doing is they're just saying, look, I think the government is, is, I think what's happened is that this government, whether they knew it or not, is setting up a nationwide education or technology education process that is designed to go over the long haul. It's not supposed to be designed to, like by, in 90 days, everybody's taking Bitcoin come hell or high water. That is not the way that I read the bill. Okay, the way that I read the bill is that anybody who wants to start transacting in Bitcoin may do so at, in 90 days after we publish in the Gazette. <clears throat> if you can't do that at, in 90 days after the, the Gazette, that's okay. You can still accept dollars for your goods and services if you are technically not able to accept Bitcoin. The, my only problem is when they say the minute that we make sure that you are technically able to accept Bitcoin, then you must accept Bitcoin. I don't agree with that. I think, honestly, I think they should just let it go organically and say, look, you can use either the dollar or Bitcoin. It's your choice. And we are still going to make it much easier for you to adopt the technology by providing you with education and the technology to accept Bitcoin and go from there. Now, the other thing that, that I wonder about is that El Salvador is a dollarized country and many people use cash, which means that they're getting U.S. dollars. What happened? I mean, and, and this is the vagaries of the worldwide banking system and how dollarization of a country actually works. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, I, I don't go to these, you know, I, I'm not in a, try, vying for a Nobel laureate in dollar, dollarized countries. So I'm not going to all these places and looking specifically and interviewing all the bankers and whatnot. But I do have a question. <clears throat> How do they get their dollars? I mean, do they go to the Federal Reserve of the United States and say, hey, uh, we need a truckload of dollars. Uh, can you just fly those on out here so that we can have some dollars? Okay, if it's that simple and the United States doesn't want them, doesn't like the idea of them using Bitcoin, what if they forced their hand and says, okay, buddy, you chose Bitcoin, you get Bitcoin, we're not sending you any more dollars. And the only way that you're going to get dollars is with the dollars that you already hold or the dollars that come in from other countries, but we're not providing you any dollars. And if we find out that you're doing business with any other country, like neighbors around you, that are, are dollarized countries, then we ain't doing business with them either. And we're not giving them dollars and basically choke your ass out and force you into a situation where you have to use Bitcoin because there's a lack of liquid U.S. dollars floating around. That, I don't know how it works, but that seems to me to be kind of, if that is a possibility, then that sounds like something that the United States would do, especially at the behest of the people like the BIS and the uh IMF and the World Economic Forum and all those idiots. It's just something to think about. And if you know, if you know, like, if you really know how that shit works, dude, hit me up on Twitter because that actually seems like an attack vector 
for uh, the United States to be able to kind of really jack with El Salvador. If they can't do it, tell me how they can't do it. If they can do it, tell me how they can do it. But please tell me something because that's kind of a black hole on this whole thing. Anyway, moving on. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt coming out of the Dutch. It seems like the Netherlands uh, are having a problem with El Salvador's uh, uh, decision to accept Bitcoin because a Dutch official calls for a complete ban on Bitcoin. Helen Parts tells us about it from Cointelegraph. While El Salvador adopts Bitcoin as legal tender, one Dutch official blasted the cryptocurrency, calling for an urgent blanket ban. Oh my God, it is an emergency, yo. Peter Hayskamp, director of the Dutch Bureau for Economic Analysis under the Ministry of Economic Affairs and Climate Policy. I love how they're, I am just enthralled with all of these people just shoving climate onto their legacy economic departments. You, you never heard about this before, but now it's the Ministry of Economic Affairs and Climate Policy. And that's going on in a whole shit ton of countries and that's not good, but we'll skip that. Anyway, he published an essay entitled, The Netherlands Must Ban Bitcoin. In line with the essay's title, Haskamp lists a wide list of reasons why the Dutch government must enforce an immediate and total ban on mining, trading, and holding Bitcoin. According to the official, this could cause the price to plummet. Oh God, yes, because Bitcoin has no intrinsic value and is only valuable because others may accept it. <gasps> what, like the dollar? The executive cited a common anti-crypto narrative, arguing that any cryptocurrency is unable to fulfill any of the three functions of money as a unit of account, means of payment, and store of value. He also cited other common anti-Bitcoin arguments, such as security concerns, risks of fraud and scams, and argued that crypto is a useful tool for criminal actors, of course. Haskamp said that the Netherlands had been lagging behind countries that have moved to curb the crypto hype in recent years. Quote, Dutch regulators attempted to tighten up the supervision of trading platforms, but without much success. The Central Planning Bureau pointed out the risks of crypto trading in 2018, but concluded that stricter regulation was not necessary, end quote, the official wrote. In his essay, Haskamp paid special attention to Gresham's Law, a monetary principle that states that overvalued currency or bad money tends to drive a legally undervalued currency or good money out of circulation. Calling Bitcoin bad money, Haskamp argued that Grisham's law could work the opposite way with Bitcoin. Quote, cryptocurrencies demonstrate all the hallmarks of bad money, unclear origin, uncertain valuation, shady trading practices. Is Gresham's law back? No, on the contrary. Cryptocurrencies are not used in regular payment transactions. Bad money disappears from circulation because nobody wants to accept it anymore, end quote. Okay, they reaching for the sky on this one. But it shows the, it, it shows the absolute panic that all these legacy financial dudes are going through right now, especially the legacy financial regulators. The legacy financial actors like, I don't know, traders and people like that, it's going to be a mixed bag as to who loves it and who hates it. But regulators are going to hate it because it strips all their power away. As we see Central and South America light up, that's a lot of people. And if the, major, if, if, if the IMF, World Economic Forum, Central Banks of the World, and the BIS as their head, you know, head honcho, if they lose Central and South America, and then the continent of Africa starts lighting up, 
If you think if you think this represents panic, you ain't seen nothing yet. The fight is coming. I don't think that they'll win, but I do think that there will be bloodshed, and I do think that it's going to be a lot longer fight than we think of, but I don't think they're going to win. I, I think there will come a time when when they're just exhausted of their resources because everybody's fled into Bitcoin because the world's population is tired of 10,000 individuals controlling the lives and injecting misery into the other 8 billion people on this fucking planet. The shit's got to stop. The shit's going to stop. It's either going to be easy or it's going to be hard, but I don't think it's going to be the easy road. More El Salvador stuff. President invites Bitcoin miners to utilize volcanoes. Yes, you heard that right. Volcanoes. Note, this was not on the bingo cards, ladies and gentlemen. It was not on the bingo cards, but I... I can't help but get into the whole new meme of the floor is set and the floor is magma and all that kind of <laughs> lava is set. There's all kinds. Of, there's like there's memes of volcanoes with laser eyes. I've suggested to Samson Moe that he should make a hat specifically for volcanoes to wear so that we can have proof of hat. I mean, it, I love the birth of a new meme. It's like. Being in Bitcoin Twitter is like being in a massive family, like with lots of brothers and sisters and massive amounts of grandparents and and aunts and uncles and great aunts and uncles. And everybody's having a kid like every other week. That's what being in Bitcoin Twitter and memes are like. It's like being at the birth of something fun and joyous almost every week. And it's just amazing. Anyway, so... The president of El Salvador has invited Bitcoin miners to take advantage of new facilities to be set up at a state-owned geothermal electric company specifically for the industry. Quote, our engineers just informed me that they dug a new well that will provide approximately 95 megawatts of 100% clean, zero-emission geothermal energy from our volcanoes. (laughs) Starting Starting to design a full Bitcoin mining hub around it, end quote. The idea is to use El Salvador's volcanoes as a power source for Bitcoin mining apparently arose in a Twitter Spaces chat room hosted by Coinmetrics co-founder Nick Carter. The chat room held conversations around Bitcoin mining and how the largest cryptocurrency has a high penetration in developing countries, as Carter said in an interview. In particular, El Salvador's recent approval to make Bitcoin legal tender in the country happened while the chat room was being held. Bukele joined the chat room live from the country's assembly while the vote occurred. Bukele is moving fast to increase Bitcoin adoption in his country. He announced that El Salvador would be declaring Bitcoin as legal tender on June 5th. In a video recorded for the Bitcoin 2021 conference and the country's government approved the bill only four days later. God, that was quick. I was expecting months, honestly. On the same day, Bukele shared that he had already contacted the country's geothermal electric company to make arrangements for Bitcoin miners to enjoy cheap, clean, renewable energy that emits no greenhouse gases. Engineers dug the new well in a matter of hours. Bukele's move present opportunities for the Bitcoin mining industry at a particularly good time. Chinese miners, for instance, are experiencing a strong state crackdown on the sector and might be encouraged to take advantage of El Salvador's cheap and clean geothermal energy and relocate their rigs to Central America. 
Bitcoin mining acts as a purely free market, and the geographic location of miners is determined in the same theoretic or in a game theoretic way. While one country may ban it, another can always welcome it. All right, caution for Latin America. Be aware of colonialism. I'm just going to go ahead and fucking say it. You have your own country's history. You got your own, you know, the, your own festivals, your own, you got your own thing going. Don't let all, when all the outsiders flood in, you're going to be blinded by the just sheer amounts of cash that you're getting. Don't be so blinded as to forget your heritage. Okay. Yeah. I know the heritage got blown out of the water by the Europeans. Okay. All that. I can't go back and fix that shit y'all. And neither can you, and neither can any of the purple-haired mouth breathers that are out there that are always crying about shit that happened 400 fucking years ago. I'm not going to do it. I don't have time. We're here now. Venezuela has its own history. Yes, it's post-Columbian. El Salvador has its own history. It's post-Columbian. Latin America has its own history. It's post-Columbian, but they have their individual histories. Please, please, for the love of God, don't lose your history. Don't lose your festivals. Don't lose yourselves. I would like it if you kind of got out of the whole communist, socialist kind of bullshit. That would be ballers. But if you do that, at least just remember, your history is your own story. It's one of the reasons why I love Texas. In seventh grade, you learn Texas history. You learn about how the thing was settled and under under what auspices Mexico invited the people from Tennessee and Kentucky to come in, the reasons why they came in, how the land was parceled out, why it was parceled out, the way it was parceled out, how much it cost, who the actors were, the battles. I mean, like, you know, from Alamo to San Jacinto, everybody only, everybody only says, remember the Alamo. <clears throat> if you know Texas history, you also remember San Jacinto, right? And that... That whole thing gave us a, a particular connection with the country of Mexico that is never going to die. That's our heritage. It's a shared heritage between Texas and Mexico. Texas or Mexico and Arizona has a different relationship, it, but I don't think it's as strong as the Texas-Mexico relationship. There's a lot of Texas. There's a lot of people that will say, "Oh, look at those those bastard Republican Texans who hate all Mexicans." No, we don't. That's bullshit. That, I mean, yeah, there's always going to be somebody who says that they don't like, you know, immigration and stuff like that or, or, you know, say really, you know, call Mexicans really bad names and shit like that. But the people that cut their teeth in Texas, no, we know better. Don't, don't be fooled by what CNN tells you about how we hate Mexicans. No, we have a good relationship with Mexico. And that relationship was forged because we were cleaning each other's clocks for over a year during the Texas Revolution. So we have a, we have a shared history. And these stories are really important going forward. And I would just caution, not that they're going to listen to me, but I would caution all of the, the, the administrative and legislative bodies of all these countries in Latin America do not let go of your history and do not allow colonialism to occur. Just say, we're going to have a free market. You're, you're allowed to do business here, but if you start fucking up, we're going to come after you. Yeah, I know you hate regulation, but I also hate people that have egos that are so fucking big that they will destroy entire countries. There's got to be some kind of common ground, some kind of common respect.
All right. So I hope these countries respect, respect the free market. And I hope the people that are going to relocate to Central or Latin America have a respect for the countries that they are going into and not intend to destroy them. All that's all I got to say about that. Now, speaking of Texas, Texas state regulator greenlights banks to custody crypto. Again, you may all go to hell. Texas will go to Bitcoin. Who's writing it? Cheyenne Legon is writing this for Coindesk. State chartered banks in Texas have been given the green light to custody crypto assets on behalf of their customers, the state regulator announced on Thursday. We're following Wyoming's lead here. The guidance is not representative of new law, but an affirmation that state chartered banks are allowed to provide crypto custody services as long as there are adequate protocols in place and the banks are complying with existing legal frameworks according to a June 10th notice posted on the Texas Department of Banking's website. <clears throat> according to the notice, the types of custody services offered by state chartered banks may differ depending on each bank's expertise, risk appetite, and business model. Banks may offer either fiduciary or non-fiduciary custody services, which could range from safely storing copies of a customer's private keys to directly controlling crypto assets, including holding private keys on behalf of the customers. The Texas Department of Banking's notice comes amid a booming presence from the crypto industry in Texas. Miners and crypto startups have been moving to Texas in record numbers to take advantage of the state's relatively cheap energy and crypto-friendly regulatory environment. Texas lawmakers, including Governor Greg Abbott, <clears throat> must now provide legal clarity to crypto companies and investors in the state. The regulator's notice looks much like the guidance published by or published for federal banks by the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency last July. However, according to Marcus Adams, Assistant General Counsel to the Texas Department of Banking. The state is not taking its crypto guidance from the federal government, but making decisions based on the growing popularity of crypto in Texas. Both at the state and federal regulatory agencies, we're seeing a rise in the virtual currency industry as it continues to evolve, Marcus said. We expect our banks to start seeing demand from their customers, and we want them to be prepared for that. Continuing, the the point of the notice is to make it clear to banks that are under the existing law that they can provide these services. How soon we will see Texas state charter banks actually start offering these and get these products and services in place is really dependent on the individual banks and what kind of resources they have available, end quote. Um, <clears throat> I would say this to all, to, to any Texas residents that are listening to this right now, Clearly, you you know don't use don't use banks. Okay, just if you know better, then you should act better. However, it's not outside the realm of possibility that you might help impact this entire thing by just calling up your local Texas bank and say, "Hey, I just heard blah blah blah," and give them this thing, and then immediately ask them when they intend to offer. Bitcoin custody services, Bitcoin loans, and the raft of other Bitcoin related products just so that they start getting an earful. Okay, that would be great. If Frost Banks, like uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, phone system just melted down because every call was, hey, when are you going to let me do Bitcoin, bro? Then all of a sudden, if Frost Bank says, hey, we're doing it, you know, and then at, all of a sudden, all the other Texas banks are going to fall in line. So again, you may go to hell and Texas will go to Bitcoin. Now, Square is allocating yet another $5 million, but this time not to Solar Mining Farm in conjunction with uh, Blockstream, but 
to Bitcoin endowment and a grant of one BTC to black Bitcoin billionaire as the very first recipient. Not bad, dude. Financial services company Square has allocated $5 million in BTC to its Bitcoin endowment program and has selected educational program Black Bitcoin Billionaire as the first ever recipient for a grant from the program. Black Bitcoin Billionaire is receiving one BTC from the endowment, according to Square. The allocation comes as part of a larger commitment to invest $100 million in minority and underserved communities originally made in September of 2020. Square announced the allocation of $25 million of this total investment yesterday and released a memo outlining the details. Quote, the Bitcoin endowment, which is funded from the interest on a portion of Square's corporate holdings, provides funding to individuals and organizations working towards increasing Bitcoin education and adoption in historically underserved or under-resourced communities across the globe, according to the Square announcement shared with Bitcoin Magazine. Continuing the quote, from those with no credit history who cannot open bank accounts to people living in places with limited access to banks to populations that have historically been discriminated against, Bitcoin can help level the playing field and build a more inclusive future. Black Bitcoin billionaire is focused on encouraging black people to onboard to Bitcoin through educational efforts and dialogue. It was founded last year by Bitcoin advocates Lamar Wilson and Isaiah Jackson, quote, Black Bitcoin billionaire is heading up a campaign to on-ramp our people into Bitcoin and to encourage the accumulation of Bitcoin as an alternative to the traditional financial systems, as its website explains. These systems have historically and systematically oppressed black people throughout their existence. Bitcoin helps to change the landscape for black people, end quote. The memo also clarified that Square earns yield on its corporate Bitcoin holdings, which total more than 8,000 BTC, through a yield-generating loan to Genesis. The announcement added that a cross-functional team of Square employees will review future applications and award future Bitcoin endowment grantees on a rolling basis. So, okay. I was a little disappointed with the measly $5 million investment in that solar mining farm with Blockstream, but here's yet another $5 million. So, I, 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 I just... I don't know. Looks good to me, bro. Looks good to me. Let's run the numbers. Okay, all of the uh, flammable liquids are on fire as usual. 0.68% to the upside for West Texas Intermediate is coming in at $70.77 a barrel. Brent North Sea, $72.69 a barrel. That is up a quarter. Natural gas, dude, 4.1% to the upside. We are now paying $3.27 for 1,000 cubic feet. If that price gets up too high, then Bitcoin mining may be affected. Although there is, you know, not a whole lot of mining is done through flaring and natural gas. But at what point does natural gas get high enough in price to make these guys start thinking that building a pipeline instead of flaring gas is a better idea. I don't know what that price is. If you're in the oil and gas industry, tell me what the strike price is on natural gas for people to start building pipelines on a linear foot basis, and we can go from there. Uh, gold is the only shiny metal rock that's down in price today, and it's actually down almost a full point. 
$1,879 gets you an ounce of that. Silver is up a half a point. Platinum is up almost a half a point. Copper is up 1.2% and palladium is up 0.17%. Every single ag future is down and wheat and soybean have been hit the hardest. Wheat is down 2% and soybean is down 2%. Corn is down 0.7% and cocoa uh, is also down pretty hard, 1.32%. Let's see here, indices. Dow future, or sorry, not futures. Dow is down... 0.1% 0.1% sideways. S&P is down 0.01%. NASDAQ uh, is up 0.07. And the S&P mini is up 0.27%. All of the uh, all of the treasury bond prices have been pushed down, but not by a whole lot. Real money, we got it at $36,906. I, st- I cannot believe people are still shorting this shit at this point. That seems that seems inappropriate, honestly, man. I'm almost offended. Actually, I'm totally offended, but whatever. Two hundred and twenty thousand transactions made in the last twenty-four hours. That's nine thousand two hundred transactions every hour on the hour, with four hundred and sixty thousand BTC being sent in that twenty-four hour period. That's nineteen thousand BTC being sent every hour on the hour, with an average transaction value of two point zero eight BTC and a median transaction value of zero point zero two seven BTC, or about nine hundred and eighty-one dollars. Block times are extraordinarily high, bitches. 14 minutes and 33 seconds. Wow, man, that's almost, God, that's almost a 50% higher than it should be. That's pretty insane, dude. Uh, 0.39 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. 39.34 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And we're down to 120.5 exahashes per second. It's a mining death spiral. Again, yeah, and again, it's not going to fucking matter. Your uh, shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin, and it is down to 0.29 pennies. That is point two, not 0.29. It's down to 29.4 pennies or 0.294 dollars. Okay, there we go. That's better. All right, so 39,800 transactions are waiting on 27 blocks to clear. We have $692.2 billion of market capitalization, which is 5.69% of gold's market cap. And you can buy 19.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,732,241.5 in circulation. Of, of those, 1,464 BTC are in the Lightning Network, and that has a capacity value of... million at this time, and that's being run over 11,853 nodes with 49,005 channels that we know about. There is uh, the percentage of Tor capacity for the Lightning Network is holding at 63.2%. So there are 924.68 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network. That's being run over 6,150 nodes that we can see. Taproot activation is going to happen, but we still have 109 additional blocks to go before we can say that safely. Although I just don't see how it's not going to happen, but whatever. Okay. Uh, Like I'm looking at it right now and it's, yeah, literally 109 additional signaling blocks are required for the software to lock in Taproot and Taproot will lock in with the current signaling ratio at 98.39%. So probably by what, by the end of, 
tonight, something like that, in a few hours. Uh, or not a few hours, but a, a fair few hours. So we'll have to wait and see because all the miners would literally have to turn all of their bits to non-signaling. And if they do that, we know exactly who the enemy is and they don't want to be seen as an enemy right now. This is not a good time to not have unity, not, especially not with the Chinese miners. So you guys better not fuck up. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. Jack Dorsey says he will integrate Lightning Network into Twitter or Blue Sky. Samuel Haig has it for Cointelegraph. Oh, Jack Dorsey, co-founder and CEO of social media network Twitter and founder of C and CEO of financial services company Square has confirmed he is planning to integrate Bitcoin's Lightning Network sidechain with at least one of his businesses. Why did they say sidechain? It's a layer two network. It's not a sidechain. See, this is, what's, this is the problem with Cointelegraph. They drop these little nuggets in, and what they're doing is they're, like, they're basically, on the, on the back of Bitcoin, they're advertising for shitcoins by using terminology like sidechain. Sorry, that's, that's, that's the way that I feel about it. Lightning Network is not a sidechain. It's a layer two. And if you disagree with me, hey, fine, that, that's cool. I'm just saying this is... Sidechain is something I rarely ever hear used in conjunction with Lightning Network. I do hear it used with Liquid, but not with Lightning. I think this is on purpose, and I think it's to actually get the notion of other things and shitcoins being okay, because that seems to be Cointelegraph's gig right now. But they're the only ones that I can see right now that are talking about Jack and, and Lightning, so let's do it. On Friday, Dorsey responded to a question from Twitter uh, who had requested that Dorsey integrate the Lightning Network into Twitter or Blue Sky, the decentralized social network Twitter has devo devoted manpower to developing since 2019. In response, Dorsey responded, only a matter of time. Dorsey's comment appears intentionally vague with the remark appearing open to be interpreted as confirming that either Blue Sky or Twitter or even both companies could be eyeing a Lightning integration Twitter user mclad also suggested Dorsey's pro-lightning remarks could relate to Square's recent acquisition of Jay-Z's failed music streaming platform title. Dorsey's tweets come amid recent moves from Square to expand its digital asset operations. Earlier this month, Dorsey revealed that Square intends to develop an open-source non-custodial Bitcoin hardware wallet. The following day, Cointelegraph reported that Square had revealed a partnership with blockchain infrastructure firm Blockstream with Square planning to invest $5 million into a solar-powered Bitcoin mining facility. Dorsey has long argued that Bitcoin mining incentivizes adoption and innovation in renewable energy, with Square committing $10 million towards its Bitcoin clean energy investment initiative back in December. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that's confirmation. Um, only a matter of time could be 40 years. It won't be, but it could be. So I don't know if I would have said it was confirmed, but it's looking close and it's good news. Everything's good for Bitcoin, except unless you're, unless you're Elon Musk, the Bitcoin mining council has unveiled that. And, and they have confirmed that Elon Musk has no role in the Bitcoin mining council. Martin Young tells us more from Cointelegraph. The Bitcoin Mining Council made a formal debut on Thursday as the debate regarding the environmental impact 
of the digital asset intensifies. The Bitcoin Mining Council describes itself as a voluntary and open forum of Bitcoin miners committed to the network and its core principles. Its mandate is to provide transparency, endorse good practices, and foster Bitcoin education, according to the official website. MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor, MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor is one of the founding members who posted a call to arms on his Twitter feed on Thursday. I'm not going to read the tweet. The organization consists of a group of energy-conscious North American Bitcoin mining companies. It was first suggested by Elon Musk in a tweet in late May, but he has since clarified that he will have no role at the council. The site goes out of its way to underline this point. Quote, Elon Musk has no role at the BMC. The extent of his involvement was joining an educational call with a group of North American companies to discuss Bitcoin mining, end quote. In addition to MicroStrategy, founding members include investment management firm Galaxy Digital, blockchain mining company Argo, blockchain technology firm Hive, and Bitcoin mining company Riot. The founding members will cover any running cost and invite any Bitcoin miner from anywhere around the world to join. It started or stated that any miner joining should, quote, believe that transparency around energy usage for mining is important and agree to voluntarily share their energy mix and hash rate size for research and educational purposes, end quote. The BMC will hold quarterly meetings in order to analyze mining trends, partner with industry researchers, gather data for educational purposes, and foster growth in the North American BTC mining industry. The group confirmed that it is completely independent from the Bitcoin network itself and has no intentions to disrupt its decentralization. In, uh, begin quote, we don't seek to change the decentralized nature of Bitcoin or its core principles, but rather are working to raise awareness about Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining, end quote. And it, it added that the council believes that Bitcoin's energy usage is a feature, not a bug, providing tremendous network security. The energy consumption of global mining operations has come under the spotlight recently in the wake of Musk's comments regarding its environmental impact. Keep that in mind. The Cambridge Bitcoin Electricity Consumption Index estimates Bitcoin's annual electricity consumption is currently somewhere between that of Holland and the United Arab Emirates. Screw that. I want it to be Russia. In the all of Russia, energy needs to be used for Bitcoin mining. I wanted to use all energy. I wanted to vacuum up the entire cosmos and compact it back into the big pre-Big Bang and just mine Bitcoin. That's what I want. That would be cool. Following recent state clampdowns, China's hash rate dominance is dwindling while they shoot themselves in the foot and the United States is increasing as mining operations can tap into cheap renewable energy in states such as Texas. More firms are setting up operations in the United States, attracting by the abundance of renewable energies. The latest collaboration between mining software company Luxor and institutional Bitcoin technology and financial services firm NYDIG aims to foster growth in the rapidly expanding industry. However, one of the biggest winners for geographical reasons is neighboring Kazakhstan. Yeah, they sucked up Canaan already, and I'll bet you Canaan moves 100% of their operations over there by the end of the year. That's that's my prediction. So they went out of their way to talk about how Elon uh, is not, that has no role in this environmentally purple hair, you know, purple breathing bullshit, okay? I, I can't imagine why. Could it be ethical failures? 
And that Tesla was dropped from sustainability ETF due to environmental and labor concerns? Could be. Let's find out more. This will be the first time that I've ever read a Zero Hedge article on this show, I believe. But this is Tyler Durden, who still has me blocked. I don't know why, but I have to go roundabout to get Zero Hedge tweets. Seriously, he's had me blocked for over two years. I can't imagine what it is that I said to the man, but whatever. Here's Tyler Durden telling us about it. Australian fund manager BetaShares has officially dropped Tesla from its sustainability exchange traded fund. Chief investment officer Louis Cruz said the company, which normally would be a mainstay in most sustainability funds, was dropped because of ethical failures on the part of Tesla, according to Business Insider. Quote, Tesla is still definitely a carbon leader, but it has fallen, it fallen foul of our environmental, social, and governance screens, which resulted in its removal, he told BI. He continued, during May last year at the height of the COVID pandemic, Tesla reopened its factory in Fremont, California, despite the orders of the local authorities, resulting in quite a large number of COVID cases. Yeah, you can't prove that. New reports have indicated that there was a significantly larger outbreak than was previously reported. So we have numbers from one to 50 COVID cases related to the factory. Oh my God, numbers from one to 50. And here we are with uh, quite a large number of COVID cases. Quite a large number is anywhere between what? One and 50? Oh God. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't feel bad for Elon, but that is bullshit. The investment officer said that he had been mulling the move for a while and finally dumped its $60 million stake after new evidence came to light and controversies and reputation issues arose. God, I can't imagine why. The fund also took exception with Tesla's environmental impact in Germany, where it is building a gigafactory. Kruse noted, German media reports that Tesla's factory in Brandenburg will consume about 3.6 million cubic meters of water per year, which is roughly around 30% of the total water in the region. Some experts believe this will lead to restrictions on drinking water, end quote. He continued, in December of 2020, NGO, the Tech Transparency Project, uh, alleged Tesla had been linked through its supply chain to Lens technology, which in turn is facing allegations of directly benefiting from the use of state-sponsored forced labor provided by the Uyghurs and other minority Muslim groups in China. At the end of the day, these are things we don't really want to compromise on, end quote. BetaShares says the tone at Tesla starts at the top and told BI that Musk's behavior does make a difference. The fund said it reached out to Tesla with its concern but never received any response. Wow. Meanwhile, in its place, the fund still holds shares of Toyota. Cruz concluded Toyota will remain in place because they haven't been screened out for other reasons, and that's the only way you can look at it. Now, on the surface, it might not seem like it represents the portfolio from that perspective, but this fund is more than just an environmental product offering. Wow. So karma is a bitch. I've said it before, I'll say it again, karma is a bitch. You do not want to get on the wrong side of karma. And here's the thing, you can't gain karma. You're born with a certain amount of karma and you either you either intend to take a depo- or take a withdrawal from your karma bank and fuck up 
and then you get down to zero karma, <laughs> or you save your karma and you literally tr use it as a lens to look at the world and to figure out how to do no harm. This dude just got bitten, or actually he got his ass handed to him by karma. And I think it's the most brilliant thing that I've ever seen. Because especially considering that it happened so fast off of his environmental argument stuff. Now, I was having a discussion with my sister yesterday about this, and I am still in awe as to just how the board of Tesla can sit on their hands and not make, if, even if they can't remove him legally as the CEO of the company because of reasons, they should at least be posting up a signed letter basically saying that they don't agree with a single thing that Elon Musk is doing and that they're terrified that he's going to destroy the company with his erratic behavior. If they don't at least do that, then I don't even know why you have a governance board. The guy needs to be kicked out. He needs to be kicked out. Honestly, and I was saying it a while back, I think he kind of wants to be kicked out because he just wants to go work on SpaceX. But also, how... How the hell do you run, be, like, be CEO of three companies at the same time? How, how, are, how do you gain any kind of focus on any one of those things? Yeah, I, I know that every idiot under the sun wants you to be able to multitask, whatever the fuck that means. But when it comes to being a CEO, I think, uh, like, being able to have laser-eyed focus on your reason for being as a company and how it's going to work I think that needs to be tantamount and not being the CEO across three different companies, the boring company, SpaceX and Tesla. It's just, it's bizarre to me, but I'm glad that he got his ass handed to him because now he looks like a complete dick. Now you guys probably may or may not know this guy. I do because he's one of my wife's favorite artists, but DJ David Guetta puts luxury Miami pad up for sale and will accept 38 Bitcoin for it. Brian Quarmby has this from Cointelegraph. Renowned French DJ David Guetta has put his luxury apartment on Miami Beach up for sale and will accept payments in Bitcoin or Ether. God, the three-bedroom, 2,528-square-foot beachfront property is on the 37th floor of the luxury Satai Residences condominium complex and is on sale for $14 million or around 37.69 BTC at today's prices. The property boasts two master suites, a panoramic view of the Miami skyline, 24 hour hotel service and amenities, including three oceanfront swimming pools, a sauna and a spa to name a few. The sale is being hosted by Freud Group, a real estate investment firm that caters to celebrities. This isn't Guetta's first crypto move. In September, the DJ signed a partnership with decentralized virtual reality platform Sensorium Galaxy. Guetta's decision to accept crypto appears to be his own choice, as other properties listed on the website contain no mention of crypto. The French DJ, who has multiple songs with, with more than 1 billion views on YouTube, bought the property for $9.5 million from New York billionaire Richard Lafrac back in 2018 and stands to make a $4.5 million profit from the sale. It looks like Miami is becoming a hotspot for lavish property sales that accept crypto. Last month, Miami's Art Surfside Luxury Apartments, a complex that's home to Ivanka Trump, announced it would accept payments in multiple cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. 
in May 27th or on May the 27th, the firm sold a four bedroom penthouse for two point, whoa, no, $22.5 million that was paid entirely in crypto. It is reportedly the largest crypto based real estate sale to date. However, the firm didn't reveal the name of the buyer or which crypto was used to purchase the property. Miami, which just hosted the 2021 Bitcoin conference, has become a crypto friendly city due in part to its mayor and Bitcoin hodler, Francis Suarez. Suarez stated in January that he was working day and night to transform Miami into a hub for crypto innovation. So there you go. Musician and DJ David Guetta getting into it. Nice. Nice. I have to tell tell my wife about that. She'll be pleased. Or maybe not. She doesn't really care right now. <laughs> I know that's bad, but we all we all buy Bitcoin when we when we deserve it. Okay. So now, all right. <clears throat> South Africa's financial walk, watchdog to bring crypto exchanges into regulatory oversight. Jamie Crawley has this from Coindesk. South Africa's financial regulator announced its intention to bring crypto businesses under its oversight in a position paper published on Friday with the Intergovernmental Fintech Working Group. The Financial Sector Conduct Authority said it will start to regulate crypto assets in a phased and structured approach. The IFWG recommended imposing anti-money laundering rules on crypto asset service providers, monitoring cross-border financial flows, and applying financial sector laws to the crypto industry. Publication of the paper may provide some certainty for stakeholders in South Africa's crypto industry, which has been hindered by a lack of clarity. Sean Sanders, CEO in Cape Town-based exchange Revix, bemoaned the slow rate of forming regulations in the country, saying it has stymied growth because customers arrive at our platform with skepticism. Brandon Topham, head of enforcement for the FSCA, told Bloomberg in January that regulation would focus primarily on protecting consumers rather than businesses. Bullshit. What this means is that they don't want anybody being able to do anything unless they're an accredited investor. It doesn't say that. It doesn't even imply that. But I know that that's what's actually happening because that seems to be everybody's reason detente for anything that they do, like the South Korean law. Dude, only if you got a million dollars can you, you know, be able to play and play in the pool. Otherwise, if you're just a poor broke son of a bitch, have fun remaining a poor bro son of a, you know, a poor broke son of a bitch for the rest of your life. That's all accredited investor means, man. That's all it means. They're not protecting anybody except their except themselves. That's gonna do it for the morning roundup. We need a joke in this week off. I got one from Dad Says Jokes. I got an email the other day telling me how to read maps backwards. Turns out it was just spam. S-P-A-M is maps spelled backwards. Okay, whatever, dude. Hey, you guys have a really good weekend out there. Um, it's It's been one hell of a week so far. We'll have to see what the next week brings us, but... I'll just leave you with this little story. Yesterday when I was talking to my sister, as I mentioned previously, she had called me specifically because she had been working for like basically, you know, nine days straight with sleep, clearly, but like nine days straight on a whole bunch of legal stuff for the company that she works for and uh, was asking me what's going on in, in crypto because she hadn't had time at all to look at anything. So she literally didn't know anything of what was going on with Bitcoin. 
So I had to tell her about this entire week in Bitcoin. I got to maybe 75% of it. It was an hour long conversation. Just, I can't wait for next week. Even, even if it may be bad, I don't, because you never know what's coming up in, in, in Bitcoin. But I just think, I just think where we are right now is I was trying to tell my daughter about it yesterday. I said, you're growing up at a time that most historians would kill to be living in because you're going to turn around one day when you're 95 years old and you're going to go, holy crap, I lived through this. She was at the start. She was born in 20, and I'm I'm going to dox her uh, just because it's important. She was born the same year of the Genesis block, not the same month, but the same year, much like, well, I won't say that one, but like the the Genesis block is older than my daughter. She and my son have never known a time without Bitcoin. And I just think that's fascinating. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.